Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. Once you subscribe to the show and rate five stars and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. If you head to myfirstsketch.com, you might find some information about some past guests, links to YouTube clips I like, and a couple blog posts. Any questions, thoughts, or recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com, and I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. So over the past week or so, we lost two giants in the world of comedy, Jerry Stiller and Fred Willard. Jerry Stiller will be best remembered for his roles on Seinfeld and King of Queens, but his work with his partner and wife, Ann Mira, can't be ignored. Guesting on the variety shows and game shows of the 60s and 70s, they really made a mark together. And Fred Willard. I first saw Fred Willard as one half of the gay couple on Roseanne, not knowing that was a reference to a show from the 70s, Fernwood Tonight. My favorite Fred Willard moments are from the mockumentaries, his roles in movies like This is Spinal Tap, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, and A Mighty Wind. They're all works of a comedy sniper, all fitting in the world, but always so funny. And every line, there's something to laugh at. Different people react to different lines differently. I posted a couple pieces on the blog at my first sketch. There's a couple of videos there that I really particularly enjoy them. But rest well to both Jerry Stiller and Fred Willard. Philly Sketch Fest and my first sketch will be hosting our next Sketchubator on May 29th at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. If you missed the last one, you missed sketches about Jurassic Park, Speedboats, Alan Alda, and Garth Brooks. Check out MyFirstSketch.com and PhillySketchFest.com for more information as we get closer to May 29th. But first, here's a word from our friends at Sketch Nerds. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Today's guest is Craig Scorgi, currently a member of The Wow out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. He also produces Sketch to the Death, and I first became familiar with him as a member of Good Game. Craig's first sketch is a monologue, and he asked me to put a little guitar music underneath of it. So let's go to the sketch. You might see me drinking hot beverages a lot of the time. Heck, on the subway, I'm always with a hot little something in my mitts. Maybe a dark roast or an Americano if I'm feeling saucy. Caramel macchiato if I'm feeling a little sweet. I know you might say, hey, he's already sweet enough as it is. Well, ain't that sweet of you to say. Might be a paper cup or a travel mug. Hey, you never know with me. I'm always a little unpredictable when I'm on the go. When I'm at home relaxing, I'll have some uh, ceramic sorts containing a little steamy treat. Or maybe some Pyrex if the mood strikes. Never clay, though. Never clay. Around the holidays, you might catch me with a lot of some hot apple cider with a touch of cinnamon and nutmeg. Hey, I'm not going to lie about it. 
I drink a lot of coffee too, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Yes, even I am a victim of stimulants. But it seems as hard as I try, you know, as much as I might fool myself. Whenever I'm having a coffee, you know, I'm having a coffee. But if you happen to see me drinking some tea, well, I'm just being me. I'm just me when I'm drinking tea. (laughs) That little paper bag encasing those tasty steep leaves sometimes seems to be me just being me. I'm just me when I'm drinking tea. I don't need to prepare much to drink some tea just to push on the button of my stainless steel kettle. That whistling sound followed by a click always beckons me over for some me time. I know what you might say. Hey Craig, I never see you drinking tea. At all. Well, it's true, I'm afraid. It's very rare. Almost never. And I seem to not make much time for myself like I used to. I've just been so distracted, you know? But if you do ever catch me on the subway train or the streetcar, or even the bus. Yeah, I'm humble enough to take the bus. Well, if you see me and I'm holding a hot liquid, just take a closer look. Just lean in a little closer. Because if you happen to see that there's a little string dangling off the side of that cup, well then you know already that I'm just being me. Hey, Craig. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, so, where does uh, how, where does that where does the idea come from? Like, where does this uh, monologue about tea happening for you? Oh man, um, I don't know. I it's I don't think it was anything I found funny. It was just like the idea that um, I'm always like I I I currently do this too, where I just buy a bunch of tea. Um, being like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get really into tea one day, um, but I never drink it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I have all this stuff in my cupboard. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I've got all these great teas. You know, I can't wait to get into this. You know, maybe start reading some books. Um, books about yeah. tea. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm not, as much as I want to be a tea and book person. I'm, I'm like, I drink like four cups of coffee a day. I would rather be a tea guy than a coffee guy for sure, but yeah. caffeine's yeah, a non-starter now. I'm like totally relying on it. Even like I don't, I, don't it, I think it's something in my family too. Like I grew up drinking so much coffee, and all my like my parents drink so much coffee, and like we have it after dinner and like late into the <laughs> night. It's just like yeah, it's just part of me. Uh, was this ever performed live? Yeah, I think a couple a couple of times. This was like my first attempt at like a solo sketch. How'd Um, it go? (laughs) I think it went okay. Um, I I used to be part of this group called Good Game, and this was in a phase when we were we we went through this weird like two year phase where we were only doing uh, musical comedy, and so it was like it was either monologues over music or comedy songs. So I wasn't really. I'm not really good at writing music. So I just write these like stupid monologues over music. Um, And I think in the environment that we were in, like we were doing more music venues, it seemed to do pretty well. Hmm. 
but I think if I was at like a comedy bar, I don't think it would be like killing as much, you know. Was was the choice to do more musical stuff because of the venues that you're performing in, or? Yeah, I think we were. It was like because we've been a group for a really long time, and um, we kind of ran out of places to perform. It was like during a weird phase in Toronto sketch comedy where there weren't really that many places where you could perform sketch. Um, comedy bar had just opened, but like they were only booking people who were like friends of the owners. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't really have like, and then the Rivley, which was like a really big spot just closed. Um, so we were just kind of like, we wanted to perform, but there weren't many opportunities. Um, so yeah, we would just like go to these music venues and like, music open mics and just do our comedy um yeah yeah when i went to when i went up to toronto for sketchfest this year you know before the world ended um i you know i toured around the city and i went to the rivoli because i knew about it because of kids in the hall and everything right and i was like this is not what i was expecting at all like oh really like you went to the back room no i just i just just went through like just to see where it was and stuff but like the menu that they had posted outside i was like wow this this food's expensive for what I think this place is supposed to be. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not like you imagine some hole in the wall or something, right? But it's like a fancy joint. That's yeah. I was not expecting that at all. Let's go back to the beginning before we, you know, get into good game and everything. Uh, so, what were you into as a kid? What What did you like? What made you laugh? Um, you know, it's interesting because I've never really, um, I've never been like a huge fan of comedy like i've always enjoyed comedy films and stuff um i like when i even when now when i watch shows and movies it's always like really dark moody dramas and stuff um Hmm. but i but i really liked acting and performing and um and i found my i i just found myself having more fun on stage when i was playing those like comedic roles and i'd always like try and get cast in the musicals because they always had like some stupid character that i could play um i don't, I don't yeah I don't, I, it, it's kind of weird like i know a lot of people they're like oh i was a huge fan of comedy and like i really wanted to be this type of comedian or whatever for me it was mostly just like it was very fun for me to do um and so i just kind of followed that um <clears throat> as i got more and more into it i started like researching sketch troops like i know i i I knew about Monty Python and 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 kids in the hall, but like I didn't really know much more than that. And and it was only until I started like actually performing sketch that I started like going back and being like, who are other people who have done sketch and what did they do? Um, yeah. So it was like it was kind of interesting. So when you were a performer kid, like, did you have a favorite role? Yeah, like... I don't. I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just like being uh, the butt of everyone's jokes. Um, usually, usually I get picked for those roles just because I was like, I was a very loud kid. I think it's like people who are younger siblings are like that too. They like fighting for the attention. Yeah, I don't know. I was just, I was just like a very goofy, high energy kid, and uh, I think people saw that and they always cast me in these roles, and then I just kind of enjoyed it i don't know but like specifically like you know going through high school and grade school like like i'm assuming you're doing musicals like in school yeah like is there a specific 
yeah, role that you enjoy, like a, a specific play that like you no know, stands out over the rest of them. <laughs> um, I was in Les Mis like three times, and here's the thing: is like I'd always get it audition for these things. And I'd be like, I want to be the main character. And I would audition for the main character. And then they'd be like, he's not a main character. He's <laughs> like this goofy guy. <laughs> so they'd always give me like, not the part that I wanted, but just like the the comedic role. I don't know, I don't know why. But I ended up falling into that more because it, it was more fun. As much as like, I think when you're a kid, you just want like, and you're in theater, you like everyone wants to be the lead role. Like I was like obsessed with becoming Javert in Les Mis and he's like, he's like the, the evil guy. Yeah. Um, but that never worked out for me. Um, I was always like the, the goofy people in the, in the tavern and stuff doing these gags. Yeah. I, um, I didn't, I didn't perform at all as a kid. Like, but looking back there was like, Oh, I, I really wish I could have done that. Like, I would have been perf- I would have been perfectly happy being Eugene in Greece, like the nerdy guy that the T Birds make fun of. Like Yeah. That sounds right up my alley. I don't know if other kids are like this, but like um I find when I was a kid, I actually didn't have any ambition to do anything. <laughs> it was just like like people suggest that you should do something like I had um like you know like your parents put you in sports or something and like maybe you like one of them or like for me i didn't like any sports but um like i was a very loud kid in school and one of my teachers was like oh he's really loud he should be in theater and my parents were like okay yeah let's try (laughs) let's try that and then i had fun but like there was no moment where i was like oh i really want to do that you know yeah, I totally understand that ambition thing as a kid because, like, I I quit the baseball team my junior my junior year of high school because I didn't want to take a physical. Yeah, and I was just like, you know, what? this isn't that that important to me. Like, I'll just move on with my life. Like, and that was the end of my baseball career. Was, eh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Did you so, enjoy watching sports in that? Sense? Oh yeah, like yeah. oh this is this is killing me that the baseball season and the soccer season aren't happening right now. Like, but I I don't want to play. <laughs> like I'll I'll sit there. Like I don't want the physical like, like activity of it. I'll sit there and watch you. Maybe yeah. not baseball so much because baseball feels very slow these days. But right, I miss soccer for sure. You know, kind of combat you being allowed in class. Like you get suggested to do theater where. Do you do theater throughout like college and stuff too? Uh, no, I kind of stopped. Um, basically, what happened is, um, so I was doing it. All, all there's like a kids theater company in London, Ontario that I was part of. Um, Rachel McAdams was part of it. She's like the famous person that came out of that company. Like at the same but, time as you? <laughs> no, she's like, um, she's older than me by by a bit, I think. But so I never. She was never there when I was there, but it was like this pretty well-known company, I guess, in London. And I, I just kind of got into the company and every, every like six months they put me in something else. And then, um, I was doing like the high school stuff. And then I got to a point where I kind of got bored with it. Like as I was reaching like 17, 18, um, I got really bored with performing, um, like all the line memorization and stuff. So I started getting into writing and I was in, 
I was still in drama class and I started writing like like a comedic school play with a couple of other guys and then we ended up forming a sketch troupe out of it and that's basically how I got into sketch um is that like the the people who I enjoyed writing with um we just formed a group for a for a fringe theater festival to do sketch um and I only heard about it because there was like one other group in the city that was doing sketch called fully insured and they were like super funny um before that I had no idea that's something I could have done um, so I didn't, I didn't do it much in college. I was, I was studying like, um, film studies, um, broadcast. Um, but yeah, on the side I was doing comedy clubs and stuff with my group. Good game. So good game goes back that far. Yeah. We formed in high school and like, uh, we were all in the same drama class in grade 11. So how do you get to the jump of like, Hey, let's do sketch comedy as that, as that specific expression. Yeah, I- I guess at the time, like, so yeah, some, there was every fringe festival, I would check it out every summer in London. And there was, yeah, there was like a couple people who would do it. And I was like, oh, that seems like, I don't know, like writing a play seemed very intimidating to me, but I was like, I could write something really silly and short. Um, You know, it ended up being a lot harder than I thought it would be. But like at the time I was like, oh, I can like writing something five minutes seems like way more attainable, especially like someone like me who who had no experience like writing narrative or anything like that. So we um, yeah, we just like threw all these things against the wall. And um, yeah, I I guess that's how I I thought of it. Like before that, I didn't even know it was something that people performed live. It's like I saw it on TV. Um, but yeah, never thought of it as a possible like live art form. Cause like, you know, if you don't grow up in Chicago or New York or big cities like that, um, it's not something you're exposed to often. I don't think. No, I, I had the same thing here in Philadelphia. Like I didn't realize that there was a sketch comedy scene here until like midway through my twenties, like after dropping out of college and everything, I was like, Oh wait, this is actually is happening here. Cause I, I, I thought I had to go to Chicago, New York, or something like that for that as well. Like, yeah. Um. So, and and you also mentioned something that I think is very true, and people need to realize is that just because the a sketch is shorter than a play <laughs> doesn't make it any easier or like. Yeah, it's like you have to because it's short. It has to be so much, like the pace has to be so much faster, right? <laughs> yeah, like or like the idea of an ending for like a four minute sketch is still yeah like every sketch comedy show every everything is always like the ending is always like a linchpin yeah um so how did you how did you guys like learn how to write sketch comedy versus you know more long form pieces like being like high school students and a drama you know together and then yeah. going to sketch comedy like how do you guys do you, is it just all learning on the fly teaching yourselves how to do it yeah like we we would meet once a week because we we made this like we bought into this fringe theater festival and we're like okay in august we have to put something on and we just locked ourselves in this like room one day every week trying to write as much as we could uh, like we all were really good friends and we had good chemistry so at least that was going for it um the first show we did was like pretty awful i think 
uh, looking back on it, like I, l- I look at some of the scripts, I'm like, this is like way too long. Uh, there's like no real premise. Um, so yeah, it was, it's London, Ontario was like kind of a cool environment for that because there's not really, it's a smaller city. There's no one else doing it. It was kind of novel when we were doing it. Um, so we just did that for like three years in a row writing like a full hour sketch show. And eventually they started getting better. Um, you know, cause we get feedback from the audiences and like we'd perform something and we'd be like, Oh, that, you know, that didn't quite land as much as we thought it would. Um, so it's like that weird kind of trial and error way of learning. Um, but then I got to Toronto and I started like going to Toronto sketch fest and I started as a volunteer and I was like, just seeing as many shows as I could. And I, I think I learned the most just by watching people in Toronto, like that excelled my skills so much more than like when I was just like trying stuff out in London, Ontario, but I'm glad, I'm glad I had that experience. Cause I think if I grew up in Toronto, I wouldn't have had that. Like we would have been eaten alive. <laughs> like if we mm. tried doing a comedy show, like these three high school kids with no comedy experience, you know, Maybe if you were like, if you had uh, like marketed it as three high school kids, <laughs> yeah. you would have gotten a little bit of, um, yeah, yeah, like a little extra rope to hang yourselves with. Like, I, I, I always feel a little more gracious when I know people are doing it for the first or second time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, going, how far is London from like Toronto? Like, like what's the the distance roughly? It's a two hour drive. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you you start going to Toronto and you're volunteering at Sketchfest. Were there anything at Toronto, like, like any highlights of those early days of Toronto Sketchfest that you really point to like, Oh, these guys, these guys, this group did it really well. Yeah. There's a, there's a group that still, I think remains one of my favorite uh, sketch groups I've ever seen. They're called Falcon powder. Um, they were, they're based in Toronto. I think they still do stuff occasionally, but they had this like wild format for their shows that I'm still trying to like emulate <laughs> mm-hmm. stuff now. Like they do this, um, they had runners. It was like, it was like a half narrative, half uh, sketch show where like they'd have these very epic, big theatrical like runners, usually genre based, like a space thing or whatever. And it would be like basically like a one act comedy play. But then, like, after, you know, like, each scene, they would break it up and do a bunch of really quick sketches. Um, and I'd never seen anyone do it, but it was, like, yeah, it was, like, a very interesting show to watch because it kind of had a bit of everything. It was, like, theatrical, um, very clever, and, like, you know, you, like, you have that satisfaction at the end of the show. Like, things feel like they come together and, and, and you know, they're packaged up neatly but then also you get all the really fast-paced like randomness of sketch um yeah i i i've always thought that's really that they had a cool approach to that and i haven't really seen anyone else kind of do it quite like they have and eventually good game moves to toronto to, to work more or do you stay in london for a while it was more so i was i was in toronto <clears throat> um because i was going to school here and I was starting to get work in the film industry because I'm also a film editor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like my life was in Toronto and that's where, you know, if you want to do comedy, there's a lot more opportunities here. So they would, 
come here once in a while to do stuff. Um, but like it kind of got to a point where like we were kind of reaching our peak, you know, with that, like they weren't, I don't think they were necessarily interested in coming to Toronto, but I was like so hungry to do as much comedy as I could. Um, so yeah, I started branching out doing improv, doing other sketch things. Um, so good game was kind of like, we would do these big festivals. Like we would tour around and do sketch fests and do Toronto sketch fest every year and maybe do like a few shows throughout the year. But it was mostly, we mostly did like festivals as that group. And Mm -hmm. then in the background, I was kind of doing other stuff. What was it like to like, uh, work remotely with those guys? Like, cause I mean, they're two hours away from you. Like how, how did that process of, creating a show go for you guys it was always very intense it was like um because we um the way our dynamic was is we pretty much wrote everything together um it wasn't like one person presents a sketch although sometimes that was what happened but like most of the stuff that we performed was all stuff that we like had sat in a room together and just like wrote it together like looking at the same screen you know like taking turns writing lines um everything was written totally collaboratively um so it was hard with the distance eventually we started doing that over google docs and using the phone um but yeah when we when we booked a show usually what would happen is like two days before the show we'd all go like oh fuck we have a show (laughs) and then they would like come to toronto and then like I'd, I'd often I'd have to cancel so many things or just like set aside so much time. And we would just be like together for like three full days, just like writing whatever show that would be. <laughs> so um, it totally became like deadline driven. Oh my God, we have to. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it was always a panic. It was never planned. Like, like I think we set us, we'd set aside these dates for shows, like knowing that we wouldn't write new material otherwise. And then like, once we had that, we were like, okay, we'll take the best of that for the festivals. But like, um, yeah, every time we did like a show testing out new stuff, it was always like right to the last minute <laughs> writing it. Cause I, I think the first time I heard of good game, uh, one of my friends, Oh, and I'm going to totally like blank on which year it was like went out to Chicago with, with their sketch troupe. And, and saw you guys. Oh, nice. And I, it was probably like 18, maybe 2018. Okay. Um, where she, and, and she was like, oh, these these guys were so good. Like, it was so cool. Like, <laughs> so like I had, I had heard of Good Game for a while. Um, nice. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> you never know. Like, <laughs> but then like, and then watching it. <laughs> and then you had posted uh, you, the set from last year's. From 2019's Toronto Sketch Fest a couple days ago right. on YouTube, the um, Good Game Watches Homeward Bound. Oh my god, yeah! <laughs> and I and I watched it and I really dug it. And oh, cool. you mentioning you mentioning that like you know we sat in a room together. I was like, oh yeah, one person couldn't have like ran a chunk of this. Yeah, and that like, was like that was something totally different for us too. That show, because um, that was our first like concept show, like. Mm like the hardest thing was like, how do we weave sketches into this? Um, but yeah, that, that was like, 
Yeah, it was really weird how that idea formed. Mostly we were just like brainstorming for most of the year and then the show came together in like one to two months. <laughs> uh, is there a specific reason you guys picked Homeward Bound? <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, it, we we kind of arrive at things from weird tangents. Like I think it started with someone pitched a show and it was like comedy for teens. And it was like, us just being these really hokey like friendly people trying to be so cool with our comedy and originally the idea was we'd have a show and be like okay teens we're we're gonna do some comedy for you and just have these like really um like things that would happen in like like a youth church group but Mm -hmm. like we think it's cool and funny um and one of those bits was like okay teens we're gonna watch homeward bound and then we bring it out but then we just like expanded on that that one bit so much that we were like, this has to be its own show. <laughs> Did you ever do like the, the, the comedy for teens part then? No, like that's, that's kind of how we <laughs> arrived at all of our sketch ideas. Like we just, we just like brainstorm and then eventually it would like a tangent would turn into a tangent and then that would be a sketch or a show. Um, yeah. And I think that's why we had this, we had this kind of energy where people would be like, I don't know how the hell you thought of that. It was super weird. <laughs> like, like all so, the left field ideas um as you go to as you move to toronto for school and getting a job you mentioned starting to, to do like improv and stuff and branching out in other ways so what's yeah. your first step into doing improv um i started because <clears throat> i started uh like i was super nervous to try improv and like most people do improv first and then do sketch Um, But I'd done sketch for so long and I was so like focused on like, oh, like I have to say the best thing. Like I was so used to editing and writing and like the idea that I I had to go on my feet. I was just so anxious about that. I tried for several years. I tried taking classes at like Second City and Bad Dog. And eventually I got into this class and it was like uh, it was like improv for actors. And um, it was mostly just like. half of them were actors, but half of them were just like regular people. And I think the environment of that class was just like so positive and um, made me really fall in love with improv and like made me stop thinking like, Oh, I have to be funny all the time, you know, like just, just have fun, just follow the fun. Um, Yeah. Like that. I think it was only that class that really got me into improv. And then after that, I started doing stuff at bad dog and second city, but like, before that I was like, I don't know, you take those classes and you can, I don't know, the energy is totally different. If you're not comfortable with improv, like people are, everyone's trying to be the funniest person in the room. It's not like, I don't know if I found it really weird to like start learning. Now I'm more comfortable in those environments. So, <laughs> and then as you like, so what are the things that you're doing in Toronto as you like step as you're starting to work other than uh with the good game guys yeah i mean mostly i was producing stuff um i had a show called the wonder show i was doing once a month the so cap um and it was just sort of a way to force me into writing solo sketch um because i thought like that's super flexible to do i don't need to like coordinate schedules i can just like show up and do solo sketch um so I had the show once a month and I would host it in character or I would do a bit. Um, 
and eventually, you know, that picked up steam and I took it to comedy bar and we had a pretty good audience on Saturday nights. And then, um, yeah, I, I got really into producing. I did, um, I started the sketch tournament called, uh, sketch to the death, which okay. is, we just did our second year. Um, yeah. And it was like, the, it was based on a tournament that we used to have years ago. That was so much fun when I was starting out that we lost in the city. So I wanted to create like a sort of like a, a yeah a tournament for sketch comedians that lasts like several weeks. Um, the last year was really great. Um, we had like massive audiences, but yeah. Uh, kind of... uh, with sketch to the death, like what's the, the format of it? Like, is it just like 16 sketch 16 sketch teams or eight or eight or whatever the number is like, doing a, a certain amount or is there are there other rules involved to it yeah um it's gotten a lot better <laughs> the first year was 30 groups and um each show they had five minutes oh. and round one was in one day so <laughs> it was like 30 groups in like consecutively um it was like way too much um I think everyone had fun, but I think the audiences were super burned out. Um, this year, we it was bigger, and it was it was forty eight groups. Wow! And we did it over six weeks, and we sort of split up the shows. Uh, so like round one lasted for like three weeks, um, and, and it was like every just, Sunday, and just five minutes. Yeah, five minutes, oh. and then. <laughs> But it, it was kind of cool because it brought, um, well, it's like five minutes around one, five minutes around two. Round three was like eight minutes, but you were allowed to do one sketch that you'd done before. And then the finals were 15 minute sets and it could be a best of. Um, so this first round sketches have to be had to be new material. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. New to, new to the tournament. Um, sure. Yeah. It's like a way to encourage people to work on stuff outside of the tournament, too so that they could come with their best stuff if they wanted to. Um, also, in a way, making it low pressure for people who are like, because there's so many groups who saw the five minutes and were like, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to try sketch. There were so many people like doing it for the first time. And that, yeah. that was like the thing that brought them out. Yeah, I can't imagine like going to... Like that first year where you you mentioned that there were 30 teams each doing five minutes. There's a part of me that would like, you know, me buying that ticket makes that sound like a great idea. But halfway through, it, I'm sure it became the worst idea ever. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I like, would have been there in the audience just like so mad. Like there's still another hour of this. Like. Yeah. And no, like the first year to me was very focused on like, how do I make this the most positive for our performers? So it was. I was splitting them up based on experience level. So like people who are brand new, they were in a heat with like other people who are just starting. Um, but I think like, you know, it, it created sort of like inconsistent shows for the audience. Like, mm. and this year when we switched it up, it was like way better. Like we really built an audience. Cause like all the shows were really good too. Um, even though it was like such a mix of experience levels. Who won it this year? Um, the Didlin Bibbles won. And then we also do like a rookie of the year or now it's called uh, newcomer of the year. Okay. Um, it's like, like a group that just formed um, like less than a year before the tournament. Um, and 
this year was really great. It was a group called Cheap Wine, and they had only done like one show before the tournament, and then they were like, I don't know, they just got into it as a like a fun thing to try, but then they were doing like really well, <laughs> and they made it like almost to the finals. Um, so it's cool to see like um, people like that who end up doing really well. I feel like the Diddling Bibbles were the week after I was in Toronto, so I think I missed out on them. Oh, yeah. There's like, um, I feel like a lot of groups have this where like they're really funny and then like they reach year two or year three and they're like peak funny. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they were always, I always, I always found them funny, but like this year they just like got to that point where they were like, they knew their thing. They were gelling really well. I think it was just like the perfect time for them. Uh, so this year at Toronto Sketch Fest, you did a solo show. Yeah. Um, so how do you go about your uh, like creation process for doing a solo show now? Ooh, uh, <laughs> mostly it was because um, I'm also part of another group called The Wow. And um, mostly it was like sketches that I wrote for them. But they're like, we don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> So I'd be like, well, yeah, like most of it was like sketches because after like, like I've been doing sketch for like 13 years at the point that I did my solo show, it was like, it was just the accumulation of like sketches that I was in love with, but I never got to do at the festival (laughs) Mm, because like like, I was always part of a group that was like, no, let's not do that one or, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so it was like. I had so much fun in that show because it was like all my favorite sketches and it was like finally my time to like put them up somewhere. <laughs> uh, but for putting together the show, the show, a lot of it came from working with Kirsten Rasmussen. Um, mm. Cause she was, yeah, she was like, um, they couldn't have asked for a better director. Yeah. Uh, I think I met her in, in Toronto and I feel like she was all over the place. Cause I feel like she was directed like yeah, four she's... or five different shows. During the festival. <laughs> she's doing everything. Um, yeah, but she's she's very talented. Like, I don't... I, I'm sure it's different person to person, but, like, I I have very strange premises, and I would just, like, pitch them to her. And, like, whereas, like, I tried doing it with other people, and they would, like, be completely confused by my idea. She would be like, oh, I totally get that. And she would, like... she Like, she was able to really understand what I was going for. Um which is really cool. But like I've talked to other people that she's worked with and they've had the exact same experience. So she must be really like good at, I don't know, picking up on people's ideas or like figuring out what they're, what they want or what they're going for. Yeah. I think the, I think the first time that I, I tried to do like a solo project of my, on my own, I, and I did a very short thing. Like it was a very, like, just like maybe like 10, 15 minutes. I didn't do it. I didn't have a director. So it was all just my own, like, yeah vision of it and it did not go well like well it's tough because i didn't yeah i didn't have that like that editor that visual like hey do it this way like it was all just like me like in a mirror at my house like rehearsing because even if you're in a group and you're not directed you have that in the group right like your friends can help you yeah yeah we just like back when i was in a group like after we tried to have a director for a while but he he uh you know his time wasn't like he couldn't you know do the time with us so it just became like self-directed but it was always there was always someone watching saying hey try it this way do it like like it was never the people on stage itself like it was 
one of the members that just didn't happen to be in that sketch anymore like yeah basically directing and, and having that eye for us like which like i always forget how helpful a director is going to be oh it's super helpful and like finding the right director is really important too because i've i've worked with some other like i think a lot of directors that are very talented like maybe inject too much of their like personal style into into what they're getting mm. you to do um yeah it's helpful to have someone who like kind of gets what you want to do so talk about the wow how did you come to be a part of the wow <laughs> uh, i started the wow uh two years was it two years ago? one a year and a half ago um basically have you heard of the sketchersons Mm-hmm. in toronto um there's there's so like ensemble groups in toronto there's like the sketchersons and their second city um there's not really much else and like i was kind of looking at it and um i got the idea for the wow because the sketchersons they put on a weekly show um and they have like a very local following and second city they put on like a probably like a you know like a higher budget like more production value theatrical show mm-hmm. um but their shows run for like eight months or whatever um so it's and it's not really a local following it's more like people who are in town for business or vacation like it's a tourist kind of thing or it's like a business yeah i've, d- I've done business that with, with second city in chicago like if i was visiting chicago i'd go second city yeah, so like people in Toronto, uh, they might see the show once, but like it's not a necessarily like an institution that people like go to regularly. Like the Sketchersons kind of have that, but it's every week, so it's like harder to do something really theatrical and big. So my idea for the Wow came from like trying to see if there's a middle ground there, like like a group that's like equally as talented and like kind of like an all star ensemble who like you know maybe instead of every week it's every month or every other month. And like, we put together these really big shows that are kind of like, you know, for a local audience, but you know, maybe a bit more than what you would get at a weekly show. Hmm. Um, so that was the idea for that. Um, but it's been, it's like it's such a challenge to work with that group. Cause there's so many people and like, yeah, just like figuring out figuring out what the group needs and like what's best for everyone is like the hardest thing yeah like because the wow is like a a pretty big group and it's and it's one of those things that like i would call collective where there's so many people that someone might drop out for a certain show like Mm -hmm. like not everyone has to be involved in every event but like how did you come across deciding or being like hey can you come do this with me or yeah, like, how, how did you gather the group that you had uh, that that wow has become? Yeah, it was kind of I think my approach for like casting it and finding people um it was like a mix of sort of like personality types and um like obviously talent and work ethic, but like I think I think the thing with a lot of super groups and like collectives that i see maybe there's too many stars in the group um and sort of my my approach for the wow was like finding people who are extremely talented but also like very um like very collaborative you know like don't 
they're not so big that they you know they're they're willing to learn and like from other people in the group or like try try writing something that's completely not their style um so yeah it was kind of like it was more of an intuitive thing but i was trying to find people who are maybe like not maybe the first the first people you come to mind because like i don't know if you if you pick like your you know your all-star performers in the scene it's kind of like it's hard to mesh a group with those people so it was kind of like a little like finding the happy middle between like someone who's like a collaborative person and someone who's like you know has a lot of stage presence and like yeah yeah clout. yeah uh and then what's the process of writing those shows um we're constantly changing it right now we're working on a comedy album so we're trying to figure out like writing for audio what what that's like but like usually when we had our monthly show um we had a residency at a theater in toronto every month and we have two head writers uh carson and michaela and um basically everyone would present their sketches on the first uh we met every monday so on the first monday all the sketches would be sent to google drive and we'd have like a writer's room where we read all the sketches and then they get notes from the head writers. And then Tuesday was like first rehearsal. And so we'd have like a super long running order and then, or sorry, the <laughs> Tuesday, the following week would be the first rehearsal and then we do second rehearsal and then show. Um, so it was like, it was very rushed and very intense, but um, we got it towards the end of our monthly run. We got it, to pretty efficient level where like, you know, the sketches were coming together really quickly and we had, we started assigning directors in the group who were getting more comfortable, like working with people. Um, and that was before we started doing sketch fest and stuff. So it was like a good primer before we started like going to Chicago, going to Philly and all that. And that's a great segue since you mentioned going to Philly and Chicago. <laughs> Uh, coming to different cities, either with Good Game or The Wow, like, have you noticed differences in audiences in the various cities that you've gone to? Hmm. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I can't really put my finger on it. I think it's like the fact that you're a little bit different, maybe, than what people are used to seeing. Um, it's always fun to see in the audience, like, like people getting so surprised at like something that you're doing. Whereas like, I, I don't know, you know, like c- cities kind of have their own styles. Like I think second city has really influenced Toronto. So like you can see a lot of like second city influence in the scene. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, you take, you take people in that environment, take them to another city. It's like totally different. Um, I love seeing the local troops too. Uh, in Philly, Philly's one of my favorite, I'd say Philly and Seattle are like my favorite um, sketch cities. Oh, interesting. In the States. I mean, I would expect Philadelphia, but Seattle, like, <laughs> <laughs> although there are people in Seattle that I absolutely love. So, yeah, it's to me, it's very similar to the Philly Festival. It's like uh, very close knit. Um, it's like like the the lady that runs the seattle festival she'd like drive us from our airbnb to the theater (laughs) every day (laughs) like like we didn't really want her to but she was just so friendly um 
and yeah they just like everyone hangs out at the theater everyone goes out for drinks at the same place um and yeah like i you know you don't get that vibe when you go to chicago or bigger cities um and that's like the charm of the philly sketch fest for me it's like the community aspect of it yeah because like if you're traveling yeah if you're traveling like um i don't know it's like way more fun to like actually meet people you know (laughs) hang out with new different people um i always found when i was doing chicago or other cities that it wasn't it was very fun in a different way um but yeah it's nice to like i don't know because yeah, I, I heard with Chicago, like there are so many like venues happening at the same time. Like everything's just so spread out. Like there's nothing. Like there's no way of yeah, there's everyone no being together. Yeah. Uh yeah. Stick to one or two venues, people. That's helpful. <laughs> I mean, as a, I'd say, like it's very well run from a, like an audience <laughs> sure. perspective. As like. I could see as an audience member being like, oh, wow, like everything like clockwork, you know, like eight o'clock is a new show. Nine o'clock is a new show. Ten o'clock, like all the theaters are synced so that like, because, you know, like in Toronto, sometimes they it's like they stagger the time. So like you can't see who you want to see because you're stuck in this theater. Yeah, I learned that the hard way this year. (laughs) Did you what what were some of the like your favorite acts that you saw in Toronto? Oh, uh, I didn't see anything awful at all. Like everything I, I, I like everything I saw, I enjoyed. Nice. It just I I missed out on certain things because of yeah. One was at you know seven. One was at eight. Thir- you know thirty. And I just there was no way of actually doing it. Yeah, even when they're in the same building, and it's because they're long shows. It's like yeah, it's hard to hop out quickly. Yeah. that's the one thing I like about Chicago. Is it was like everyone gets forty minute sets. So it's like, you know, time in case people go over, but like yeah. every hour there's like new show in all the theaters. So like you can hop around, see people. Do you enjoy like the producing aspect of a show more than the performing? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, uh, it's kind of very simple. And it's like, that's a weird way of asking that question. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> no, well, like I, um, I think I think the same reason why I'm drawn to like performing is sort of the same reason that I like um, producing, and it's like the same reason why I like uh, editing film. Is that like I don't know? It's like I I think I get the same feeling when I'm sitting at the back of a theater, like seeing like people react to something that like I put together versus like being on stage and and getting that from like some a sketch I wrote or like sitting at a film premiere and like seeing people react to something I've been working on. Um, yeah, it's all just like that, that sense of community and experience. Um, producing is really rewarding because you get to really have like, um, I don't know, for me, I feel like it's my chance to give back to the community and like encourage people who are, who are new and maybe don't have the space to, um, to put, put on their own stuff because they're not getting asked to do shows and, there's not that many shows to begin with for them. So like, it's always cool to see, like to create a space for um, like other performers to, to grow and develop. Um, yeah. Cause like people gave me that shot when I was starting out. So it's, it's cool to give back like that. 
Yeah, that's nice. That's like, hey, like I, I, is it like that for you when you do the? Oh, the oh, yeah. When when a show ha- like in Philly Sketchfest goes really well, like like there there's definitely way more pride in that than me doing something really well on stage. That that like that was a really surprising thing to me. The first year I became a producer at Philly Sketchfest, I was like, when a specific group from out of town like really knocked it out, and like we made that decision to bring them in, I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Like, yeah, and I get that from because uh, I do jury work for the Toronto Sketchfest, so I get to like, usually there's like one group you get to champion and be like and fight to get into the festival. And when they get in and when they do well, it's like so satisfying. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't think I like there's there's a, a specific team last year that I don't think I, I was met with much resistance. Like I think everyone was a yes, but I was very I was very much a yes. Right. So when their show went really well, I was like, all right, good, cool. <laughs> like at least my taste is on point tonight. Like that's good. Like I'll take it. You had mentioned that you didn't really get into sketch as a kid and that but when you start doing it you start looking into stuff is there something from like canadian comedy like like off the beaten path because down here in america we do get certain things so we know about schitt's creek right uh baroness is starting to grow down here but like is there something oh, like really? canadian that you would recommend Ooh, um man <laughs> that's like all the people you named are like I don't, I don't know, like, I'd say, like, Nathan Fielder, but he's not, you know, like, he's well-known. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, what was before? Like, you probably know about Picnic Face, right? That was a long time ago. Yeah. Um. I think, yeah, I think it's mostly, right now, it's mostly Tall Boys, um, Baroness Found Sketch. Um, You're familiar with Tall Boys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Yeah, there's like I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I feel like comedy's kind of in a weird space right now cuz I don't know. There's like there's like a lot more small little web series being made for CBC. Um, right. They're like creating so much content, but yeah, there's nothing that's like I'd be like, "Oh, you have to see that." Um I think Shit's Creek and working moms and what's the other one yeah there's like i'd say there's like three really good shows on cbc worth checking out <laughs> just three <laughs> yeah i worked i worked on working moms though so maybe i'm biased i'm trying to think what that third one would be um kim's oh, convenience or kim's convenience is pretty funny I like that. I'm just trying to think of Canadian things that I know of or or billboards I remember seeing when I was up there. Honestly, like whatever you've heard of is probably what there is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I feel like if it, if it trickles down into America, <laughs> there's at least some quality to it for sure. Yeah. Um, I ask everybody and, you know, I know. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's still a thing up there, but uh, do you have a favorite SNL cast member right now? Ever. All time. All time. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge Eddie Murphy fan. Um, Eddie Murphy and uh, uh, what's oh damn, what's his name from the the show, <laughs> Joe Piscopo or Chris Farley? Oh, okay, 
<laughs> I was thinking Matt Foley, and I was like, that's not who he is. No, yeah, that's not that's not his name. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, anything specifically from like Eddie Murphy, or is it just like um, the movies that he had done after? Or yeah, I guess like he was. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was like, I think my parents were really big fans of Eddie Murphy, and like uh, when I was a kid, um, that was like the you know when they had those like best of DVDs, like mm-hmm. that was. Like him and Chris Farley were the first two that I ever got from that series. Um, and I just watched them all the time. Um, and like, yeah, I, I, and now like the more I look at his stuff, I'm like, he, he kind of carried that show for such a long time, like on his back. <laughs> like it was, he was clearly the strongest cast member of his time. And like the show was not doing very well, but like, you know, it could have, could have been canceled many of those years, but he, uh, I, I feel like he really kept that going as like an institution. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah. I think both of them, like Eddie Murphy definitely was the biggest star of his run. Yeah. And then Chris Farley, like I always get the sense that like, Oh, we need this to be funny. Just throw Chris in it and he'll do, <laughs> you know, he'll do Chris Farley things and it'll be perfect. Yeah, for sure. All right. So, uh, and you mentioned you, you didn't really do any classes for sketch comedy. You did take some improv classes. So what's something that you've learned from sketch comedy that uh, you would pass on to a new writer? Ooh. Um, so there's this, uh, it's, it's more like, um, it's just more advice for any type of writing, but like okay. uh, there's this, I don't know if you've seen that Ira glass quote um, where he talks about just doing, just like creating so much work. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he has this clip and you should definitely check it out. But, um, basically the advice is, um, and as soon as I heard this, I was like, oh, this is me. Um, when you first start creating stuff, um, you, you get into it because you have really good taste and because like you really, you know, like you love comedy, you love film, you love whatever. And like when you first get started, there's like this weird gap between like what you think is good and what you're doing. And like, you know, like you have the taste to know that your work is awful, but like a lot of people quit at that part, but like usually like if you have good taste, that that means you're going to be good and you just have to create like as much stuff as you can and put yourself on a deadline. And like eventually that gap's going to close. Cause like, I, I can totally see that. Um, whenever I was doing film, whenever I was doing um, sketch was like when I first got into it, like I knew, I knew that what I was doing was really bad. (laughs) And (laughs) and I was like, I don't understand why I'm so bad. Like I see, you know, I'm able to like really dissect other people's work. I have no idea, you know, like what's part of my work. That's like not coming out the way I like it. Um, but now I actually like I write stuff and I'm like, oh, I really like this, you know. Um, yeah. So like I think like with any type of creative thing, when you start doing it, like you um, you don't have that much confidence in your work and that can be really discouraging. But like that, that's just a phase, you know. That's, that's, that's interesting because I always felt like like at least especially my early days, like. I had so much confidence in my stuff. <laughs> like, well, that's like the, what do they call the DK effect where it's like, um, 
it's like a little bit of experience, so much confidence, and then yeah, like, dips, and then it goes out. Yeah, I had the thing where I had to learn that like whatever I was seeing in my head and putting on the page was not translating to other people. So I had to like relearn like how to give the people the context to <laughs> to see where my joke is. Cause like I would tell a joke that's just so I don't know, granular and no one no one had an entry point to what I was saying. Like but I thought it was hilarious. So <laughs> Cause it's all about like yeah, it's not it's I find it's not like the idea that's wrong. It's like the way you're translating that, right? It's like one thousand <laughs> percent. It's like for sure. How do I get them to find this as funny as it is in my brain? Yep. Yeah. And then finally, uh, to get a little deeper at the end of this, um, and, and you mentioned like that you weren't a comedy fan growing up. That you do prefer watching like the deeper, darker, yeah, like dramas and stuff. But like, why comedy? Why has comedy grabbed a hold of you for the last you know few years? Yeah, I don't know. I I guess it's like um I don't know. I really like um storytelling and like um someone told me recently that like a joke or like a sketch is like a just a very short story. And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool. I've never thought of it that way." And I think that really checks out for me. Like um I don't know, like I think like with comedy, you just get so much um Sorry, I'm kind of derailing a little bit. <laughs> but I, the thing I like about comedy is that is that like instant valid like um validity you get from the audience of like this is working, this isn't working. And like for me, um I I feel like I'm just the type of person who like needs that confirmation that I've done something correctly. So like I think I've always gravitated towards comedy. Um, because like maybe some of the more nuances of drama and stuff, um, I haven't, I haven't come out of it being like, oh, I killed that, you know, like, yeah, I, like I can, I definitely know when I've done a good comedy show and when I haven't, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, oh, I, that's something I always ask about like actors all the time is like, how do you know that you, like you're doing well with a drama, like on stage, like versus the comedy i know what i'm doing well in a comedy yeah people you know people are laughing people are enjoying but like this heart-wrenching drama that you're doing on stage how do you know that it's like landing i don't understand it at all yeah and i think i don't know live comedy is very unique in that like i don't know it's like I, I feel like people laugh a lot more at live comedy than like if they're in a theater watching like a comedy movie. I don't know. There's something about like the environment of just like a live comedy theater. Um, yeah. It's like hundreds of people who don't know each other and they're just like dying of laughter. Um, it's really cool. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'd not arguing that at all. <laughs> Why don't you agree with me with the? <laughs> <laughs> no, people laughing together is not a good thing. <laughs> Of course, big thanks to Craig Scorgy. You can follow Craig's sketch group, The Wow, all over social media at The Wow Comedy. I've also posted two of the shows that we talked about during this episode in the blog section at myfirstsketch.com so you can see 
Good Game watches Homeward Bound, and Craig Scorgy is a growing boy in one place. I mean, they're on different links, but they're there, myfirstsketch.com. And don't forget about Sketchybator, the sketch comedy incubator that we've been hosting on Zoom every two weeks. The next one is May 29th, 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. The first two have been so much fun. It's been so good to see fun and familiar faces making each other laugh. For more information, including the Zoom ID, check myfirstsketch.com and phillysketchfest.com as we get closer. There's also a Facebook event page if you want to look for that. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Sketchy Bader on May 29th.